the Australian Defence Magazine podcast. Serving the business of defence. With Grant McHeron and Ewan Levick. Hi everyone and welcome back to the show. This episode, we'll be chatting with Robert Nyer, Global CEO at Nyer, about the Australian Missile Corporation and its bid for a role in the sovereign missile enterprise. G'day Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks Grant, thanks for having me on. And of course, once again, also joined here by Ewan Levick, Group Editor of Australian Defence Magazine. Ewan, welcome to the show. Hey Grant, good to be back. Okay, so with that, we'll uh, kick off and uh, we'll go with the first question for Rob. What role does NIA hope the Australian Missile Corporation will play in the sovereign missile enterprise and what's the benefit for the Commonwealth? Uh, Thanks, Grant. So we are hopeful that the Australian Missile Corporation, which is a collaboration platform that we have put together, uh, will fill the role of a strategic enterprise partner to the Commonwealth uh, in the delivery of the Guided Weapons Explosive Ordnance Enterprise, which uh, was announced by the Prime Minister in March of last year. It's, uh, the, the government has not yet actually formally decided the structure of how they're going to deliver that enterprise. So uh, we've put forward a proposal uh, suggesting that uh, an enterprise partner be selected to assist the government in, in the delivery of that enterprise and to try and bring about a fairly accelerated and rapid establishment of guided weapons manufacture in Australia. What role will companies, Rob, in the uh, Australian Missile Corporation play in the delivery of the enterprise? How, how, is, how are companies going to seek and win work? So our uh, hope will be that the AMC will have a role uh, standing beside government as that strategic enterprise partner. And part of that role in the first instance is going to be to assist with the planning of what the enterprise is going to look like, what are the objectives of the enterprise, both short and long term. And having done and achieved that, that might even, that will include, I expect, things like infrastructure reviews and so on. We should get a detailed view of what the enterprise is going to require of its partners, the partners that are currently within the AMC collaboration platform, and I'm sure others that will join. From uh, once we understand collectively what has to be done and there is an agreement and an alignment between defence, AMC and industry in general, Uh, we can then set about looking at the priorities and the the target work that needs to go down into the uh, collaboration platform partners and get done by industry or in some cases academia or even state governments. So there's going to be a very, very diverse amount of work and scope of work which needs to be undertaken. If you think about everything from uh, infrastructure, building, specifications, the actual technical capabilities that need to be brought to Australia for construction of things or manufacture of things which haven't been done before, we could also be looking at uh, longer-term technology roadmaps. So enterprise partners that are in the academic space may look at uh, particular research activities focused around particular technologies And then you might even need uh, private capital, you might need uh, systems providers, test and evaluation. There's all sorts of activities which will need to be done. And our role, as we see it, is to make sure that we have that roadmap and then identify the partners which can best contribute to that particular outcome. Now, the, the method in which that is achieved will be open largely to some direction from government but I would anticipate it would be a mix of directed procurement through to full open tender. 
Rob, uh, a lot of what you've been saying so far, you know, is talking about um, coming up with roadmaps or setting goals or uh, coming up with a scope of work and understanding much of that will be the prerogative of government. At this stage of the program, what are some of the challenges that you foresee uh, for the successful uh, delivery of the enterprise? The first challenge is going to be to understand the time frame that we have to work within. My expectation is it's going to be a short time frame and uh, to, to actually get to a point where we are manufacturing or contributing in some meaningful way to a combined allied guided weapon enterprise so that we will contribute not just for Australia but for a greater allied effort. Now, in order to do that, if we are talking about substantial manufacturing capability or volume and so that we can contribute in a meaningful way, there is significant lead time in having to design factories, build factories, commission uh, commission those and then actually start low-rate production, full-rate production, first article testing, introduction to service, certification onto uh, integrating those items that are produced in Australia onto platforms. Uh, this is not a short activity. And if the window we are given is compressed, then mobilising quickly and being able to do things in parallel so that we can reach the desired outcome in the, in the time frame given to us, I think that's going to be the biggest challenge. Certainly, the work we've done, we've got over 320 organisations which are already on the collaboration platform. Uh, we have identified that all of the capability required is resident within the platform. So to do the full manufacture of guided weapons in Australia and to establish the infrastructure and then the ongoing uh, work needed for sustainment. So the, the, the capability is there. Uh, what we need is the starter gun to go and we need to know when the, where the finishing line is. We need to understand the length of the race and then we need to tailor our approach accordingly. You've mentioned the roadmap and bringing everyone together and the uh, 320 organisations ready to, to work together. So what do you see Anaya's strengths in bidding for the enterprise, uh, especially in regards to the relative size that you have versus some of the competitors who are also bidding? How, how do you see that working out for you? I guess the first and most primary point is we're a 100% Australian-owned company. We're not answerable to a foreign board. And so we've uh, that's a, a huge strength um, that I think that we bring to the table. We're purely focused on a sovereign outcome for Australia. We're the only Australian company that operates an Australian government munitions manufacturing facility. So I think that uh, we bring that to the table. I think explosive ordnance manufacture is going to be a significant feature in the, in the enterprise and we're the only Australian company that's actually operating a government uh, facility. In relation to size, I think it's fair to say we've, we have established the largest consortium in this bid or in this activity that we see. So whilst there are some large companies that are wanting to contribute to the enterprise, none of them are a fraction of the size of the AMC collaboration platform. So it is, I think, uh, it's the world's largest guided weapons uh, collaboration. And we've got everything from, we've got three state governments, we've got 15 universities, and we've got over 300 organisations ranging from Australian small to medium enterprises to quite large Australian companies through to foreign you know, missile manufacturers and all of the subcomponent manufacturers that sit uh, between there and 
you know, from one range, you know, one end of the range or spectrum to the other. So I, I think, you know, it's fair to say we're the largest in the, in the competition, uh, but not all of those capabilities need to be uh, drawn on, you know, for every activity, but we certainly have all of that capability at our disposal. Certainly going to be uh, spreading the benefits across a larger group. Yeah. Rob, you mentioned um, Naya being a 100% owned Australian company. You don't answer to a foreign board and you'll be delivering a sovereign uh, capability to the Commonwealth, obviously for what is called a sovereign guided weapons enterprise. Um, this is a good time to ask you one of my favourite questions, which is what is your definition of sovereign capability? Well, I've just spoken uh, at, a, at the Aden conference on that exact topic. So it's, it's fairly fresh in my mind. I think it's quite simple. I think that to have true sovereignty, you have to understand where decision-making is made in a company. So if we're going to describe a company as sovereign or not, it cannot be a sovereign company if the decisions of that company are made by a foreign board in a foreign country. And if you just logically think through the extension of that, any foreign company boardroom is residing by definition in a different nation and as such answerable to that nation, not to the Australian nation. So I think that it's quite easy to work out and be able to define a company along the lines of what is sovereign and what is not. And then if you start to talk about what is a sovereign capability that resides in Australia, you could claim all sorts of things are sovereign capabilities if they're simply made here. But I think typically those capabilities are going to be controlled by a company in most cases. And I think we then get back to the company that controls it. So for example, if we were to um, establish a rocket motor, a large-scale rocket motor production facility in Australia and uh, the IP for that rocket motor was, uh, had come from a foreign location and was therefore restricted and not able to be exported, that would limit the scale with which we could build the enterprise. And if the scale is restricted, then all of a sudden your research and development spending is restricted. And then there's a whole series of negative impacts, or I guess another way to say that is we would miss some positive potential out of that opportunity. So you could say that simply making rocket motors in Australia gives you a sovereign capability, but if you don't have the decision-making capability of what you then do with it, I think that that says it's not necessarily sovereign. It is a good local capability, but not a sovereign capability. Now, I think that we all have to get comfortable with the fact that where we start on day one may not fit neatly into that definition of what is 100% sovereign. And I think that that's okay. I think we need to probably start at a build to print for some US missiles will be, I'd be surprised if that wasn't a priority of government. There are also other non-US missiles which are already flagged as coming into the fleet, which ultimately will be good candidates to be made here. But I'd be very, very surprised given the Prime Minister's announcement and talking about wanting to contribute to an allied effort, including the, um, the, the intimation there towards the US, I'd be surprised if we didn't start with a US build. So we're probably not going to meet the strict definition of sovereignty as I've described it, but what we will do is address the immediate capability issue, which is the most critical thing you know, to Australia at this point. Then there's some nice-to-haves, 
as we progress down the track, do we or don't we need to fully exploit um, the sovereignty and build our own capability in all areas from seekers through to um, propulsion systems and all of those sorts of things in between. I think that should be an objective of the enterprise. I think it'd be disappointing if we had a sovereign enterprise that didn't set out to give a truly sovereign outcome, but I think we need to start somewhere and then progress at a logical path. So we've already spoken about uh, Naya's strengths in bidding for the enterprise, and you've talked a lot about some of the uh, the, the benefits and the size of the consortium and so on. Uh, so do you have any innovative and unique proposals specific for this enterprise that you can discuss? Well, I think the, the first thing is the, the most innovative element we, we bring, I think, is actually the construct of the collaboration platform. So most people, when government went out seeking proposals put forward a solution around themselves, their own capabilities and what they wanted to get out of the enterprise, where we took a much broader approach and we certainly see a role providing that sovereign partnership with defence, but we you know, opened up to a, a collaboration platform that we thought was the right answer to solve that problem for defence. And in saying that, I guess one of the other innovative elements of that model is we are not trying to be the guided weapon manufacturer. We are trying to support the government's choice of guided weapons manufacturer. So, you know, I think that uh, just our entire approach is probably innovative compared to some of the other approaches. We also, you know, even though we have a large capability we can bring to bear, it's also a flexible model. It can be brought to bear or not. So it's on call or on demand. And from a financial perspective, if you think through, if you wanted to collect all of the capability we had and make it resident in one company, the financial investment that would be needed, you know, is, you know, by an Australian company to secure that is certainly well beyond tens of billions. And we've been able to amass that and have that available to the Australian enterprise for very little to, you know, minimal cost. So all of that engineering, research and development, um, all of the, the capabilities of all of those companies, all in a coordinated fashion, uh, you know, is all available to be turned on or off as required, and not just to the benefit of the Commonwealth, uh, but to the benefit of uh, those companies which would like to set up manufacture in Australia, and we lean forward to help them. So I think just the entire business model uh, is innovative, and we really like it. Um, and I think we're going to get great outcomes for the, for the nation as a result of it. Rob, what um, business model do you think the Commonwealth will decide for the enterprise? Or what do you think a better question would be? What business model do you think would make the most sense? And then secondary to that, will the AMC build new facilities in Australia? Yeah, good question. So obviously, defence and government are the only ones that, that know what they've decided. We are hopeful that they will take on the proposed AMC model, which is to have a strategic enterprise partner, which is not an OEM. Not that we don't like OEMs, but we want to support the OEMs. In fact, if we just if we dig a bit deeper as to how, for example, a US missile producer operates in the US, you know, they don't make the rocket motors, they don't make the warheads. There's a lot of things they rely on to exist in an enterprise that they can draw on, which is just not resident in Australia. So to be fair to those companies, 
They can't be expected to come here and change their entire business model, go and do things they've never done before, access IP that they don't have, and try and do that in a rapid time whilst trying to bring their own, the work that they currently do here. So I hope that government sees that, that to support these OEMs, we need to provide the enterprise for them, and that in order to do that, you need an Australian partner to deliver that. So I hope that that's the model that they do deliver. In relation to uh, do we uh, intend building facilities or factories, I think there is a role for the AMC to do that. Um, the Where I would say it would make sense would be in the instance where industry can't, in their own right, fund or justify a particular capability. And if you took the rocket motor facility as a, just as a, as a live example, because it's going to be central to a range of, you know, guided weapons, uh, it, would it be fair to say to every single guided weapons manufacturer that would like to establish domestic manufacture that they also had to go and build a rocket motor factory, particularly when they don't do that now? And then if you said, all right, well, the companies that do make rocket motors that supply those, you have to come here and build your own factory to supply. And they go, well, you know, we, we've got a really good, you know, purchase order maybe for the first three years and then once delivered they sit in war stock, what are we going to do with a factory? Um, other other uh, low-cost, you know, weapons like, I mean, we, we're almost now going to be able to rope in something like a Hydra 70 rocket because it's got a guidance kit from BAE that goes on it to maybe fit within the enterprise and exercise the enterprise. Now, the, the cost of, of trying to make pr the propulsion systems for them is very low low rate. Would that justify building its own factory? I don't think so. So I think uh, when we really sit back and admire that problem, I think a solution may very well be a government-funded, government-owned even, uh, a facility that is solution agnostic, uh, being run by someone who is not a competitive OEM and that can provide, perhaps on an open book basis, cost competitive uh, inputs for to, to allow those other companies to actually set up manufacture. Um, I don't know that government will go uh, for that, but to me it's the logical solution and I think that we need to be coming to the table with solutions if we want to do this in a timely fashion and if we want to actually uh, accelerate the um, establishment of the domestic manufacture. Let's step aside from the AMC for a little bit and look at NIA in particular. And, and what's NIA as a group? What's the, the growth strategy for the future? Our stated goal is to be Australia's global firearms, weapons and munitions company. And so we're focused in all forms of firearms, weapons and munitions, guided weapons obviously being a very significant part of that. We already operate the uh, half of the Australian government's munitions factory in Benalla, Victoria. Um, our intention for growth there is to maximise the facility and to bring local production for a lot of things which are currently imported. And that's a, a project that we will continually expand the activities there over the next decade. Um, we're certainly focused on pursuing the guided weapons enterprise through Australian Missile Corporation, so that remains a, a significant focus. 
Uh, we're also aiming to be appointed as the uh, prime contractor for the next stage of the Land 159 program, which we're currently the prime contractor for, and that will be a major focus of our company going forward. We see that as a, a very critical activity for us. We, uh, as part of that, we're also committed to building a new greenfield small arms manufacturing facility in Australia, so a new factory. And we uh, intend opening very soon a physical presence in New Zealand and we're expanding our presence in the US and we have uh, some active discussions at the moment about what shape that's going to uh, take. So we've got a, you know, a lot of um, growth forecast and objectives but all consistent with our overall goal of being Australia's global firearms, weapon and munitions company. Rob, as um, munitions and soldier ensembles become more intelligent, what sort of investment or R&D is now doing into uh, AI and machine learning? So our business model is not to do everything ourselves, is to partner you know, with, with Australian companies or international companies and bring the best, best of breed technology for the nation and to bring the right technology that fits the right requirement for defence. So in relation to AMC, all of that machine learning and AI is available to us uh, as applicable to guided weapons and, um, and platforms within the enterprise or you know, within our collaboration platform. If we look at programs, the other types of programs where AI machine learning is going to be very prevalent, it will be more towards what's being described as tranche three of Land 159 in particular. Um, and that would be as you start to look at some autonomous or unmanned systems we might start to see on the battlefield, uh, right through to loitering munitions and those sorts of things. Once again, uh, we wouldn't necessarily attempt to replicate all of that technology and capability ourselves. We'd be looking to get uh, world's best and ideally we would love to partner with and work with Australian companies to take them on a journey and help them go on that journey to deliver and become world's best. And I think that there is you know, certainly some very good companies here in Australia we're already well connected with uh, that, uh, that have demonstrated that capability and capacity uh, within the domestic market here. So, you know, I, I, we're, we're very open to be partnering with people. We don't need to be doing it all ourselves. It's not our, our business model. There are some things we do want to do ourselves, but largely we're, we're trying to bring industry together. So talking more about AI and machine learning, uh, decision times are dropping. People have to make decisions a lot quicker now, uh, especially in the world of hypersonics and um, incoming ballistic attacks, things like that. So what's Naya's views on the human in the loop and the decision speeds required in this uh, current and future world of guided missiles and so on? Yeah, so largely I won't have a, a view that I'll try and inflict on you know, defence decision makers. Um, I think, though, what you've said is correct, particularly around the hypersonics. I think that is, you know, that certainly has changed the dynamic of the uh, decision-making time that's required and also probably not just uh, hypersonics, but if you start to look at the challenges on the battlefield around swarming drones, swarming loitering munitions, all of the, whatever you, however you might describe that category of Things which are likely to impact soldiers, so not just major platforms but individuals and those sorts of things, it is a very, very complex space. So my 
uh, advice if if I was involved in in trying to you know assist uh, defence on that journey would be to ensure that we understood the threats as best as possible and then work with industry to try and come up with the right solutions to that. And if that required, you know, an increased, you know, reliance on uh, AI or, or uh, you know, adopting the machine learning principles and so on, then I would think naturally that would have to take its, its path. It's very, very difficult though um, once you start trying to talk about removing, uh, you know, the human from the loop, uh, that's a very difficult conversation and that's something that ultimately defence will have to determine themselves how far down that path and in what circumstances they would be prepared to do that. That's not something that, that I would form an educated view on. What are Naya's views on the use of guided missiles in the future joint environment? I think it's going to be much more prevalent, much more important. I think any uh, the, the type of conflict that Australia is now getting ready for is going to be very dependent on the use of guided weapons in all domains. And I think that there is a, um, there's a huge opportunity to even we start to talk about retrofitting typically dumb munitions with guidance systems uh, right through to the development of new battlefield changing technologies in the guided space. So I think that the full spectrum is on the table and I think that the threat that we are now preparing to face is, is different to the threats we've been preparing for in the past. And I think that without guided weapons and without that real expertise, I don't know that we can play a meaningful role in contributing to the Allied effort. I think that we would simply be a, a net drain on the Allied uh, supply base if we're not part of the solution there, if we're not contributing both in manufacturer capability but also technology. Robert, hypothetical if I may, um, guided weapons are obviously an offensive capability against missile defences as the obviously defensive capability. In your view, where is the balance of power? Is it towards, in the joint environment at the moment, the offensive or is it with the defensive? Are guided weapons able to overpower missile defences or are the two capabilities, in your view, on par? Well, I think you're obviously going to need both because we're not operating in isolation. Um, as, as good as our capabilities are, then you know others will have equally good capabilities. So we need to be uh, working certainly hand in glove on offence defence, and um, you know as we develop new offensive capabilities, so will our uh, adversaries. So Rob, you're saying it's an evolution. As offensive capabilities get better, defences will catch up. And at the moment, uh, you don't see the balance going either particular way. Well, I don't think you can lose the race in either. So to that, I think that you'd probably, if you were dividing it up simply, you would just make sure that both your teams were running as hard as they possibly could and you wouldn't, you wouldn't favour one over the other. Um, I think that you know, it's a must-win on both, on both accounts. And I'm sure, you know, that's just going to be a, a it, it's a dangerously evolving area. And I'm, I'm not sure how you ensure you, you win, but all, you've just got to do every single thing you can and apply every lever uh, that you can pull.
Well, Rob, that's been a great discussion about uh, the Australian Missile Corporation, about the the whole sovereign missile enterprise and uh, Naya's views on the on the world going forward. Thank you very much for your time. It's been great having you here and uh, been very informative. Thanks, Grant. Thanks, you, and appreciate the time. Thanks, Rob. Well, thanks to everyone for listening once again. And don't forget, if you enjoyed this episode, you can tell a colleague about us so they too can benefit from this show. Meanwhile, thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back in the not-too-distant future with another informative episode. The ADM Podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Australian Defence Magazine, a Yaffa media title. The views of the people appearing on this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of Australian Defence Magazine, the Department of Defence, or the guest's employer. If you wish to use any of the audio in this podcast, please contact Australian Defence Magazine via their website, australiandefence.com.au, or via email at defmag at yaffa.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.